Welcome to the Audit Podcast, the number one podcast for the audit profession. Be sure to check the show notes for all of our social media channels and to sign up for the Audit Podcast newsletter. Now, here's your host, Trent Russell. This podcast is sponsored by Green Skies Analytics, where they do everything tech-related, but only for internal audit. Although compliance and risk management, y'all are cool too, so feel free to check it out also. To find out more, please visit greenskiesanalytics.com, but it's more likely that you're just going to Google it. So to find out more, please Google Green Skies Analytics. Today on the show, we have Pat Neiman. He is the partner over the Ernst & Young Center for Board Matters. Before that, he was a managing partner at EY over the Greater Los Angeles offices. Before that, he did a whole bunch of other stuff at EY. Um, In his career, though, he's been at EY for 32 years, always, though, as an audit professional. One of the goals for the show this year has been, let's understand what happens with a CAE. How do you become a CAE? What skills do you need to do that? When one of the bigger areas that we've seen is obviously working with the audit committee, the audit committee chair directly and understanding what that relationship is like. And again, like how can we become CAEs for those that are, you know, aspiring CAEs or even current CAEs? There's a lot of lessons learned that we can get from talking to other CAEs and understanding that process. So Hard to imagine um, someone more experienced and better to have on from the perspective of, hey, CAE, AC relationship, how does that work? And what's kind of going on behind the curtain? So a quick story, when I was in internal audit, we had, I don't know, 15 auditors all sitting around the table talking about you know our status update and the CAE gets a call. He goes up, audit committee chair, steps out, 10 minutes later, comes back in and it's like, uh, all right, Trent, you're, you're next. Like what's going on in your world? And I was like, what's going on in your world? What, what just happened? I want to know what, you know, how that relationship works and what you guys talked about. And just so that we could all learn together, you know, all 15 of us can kind of be on the same page and have some level of transparency. Understandably. So there are some things that are confidential and should likely stay between the CAE and the audit committee, but there's just, I haven't seen a lot of resources out there in terms of, again, how to become a CAE or how to be a more effective CAE. And so that's, that's where a lot of this is coming from for the year. So to get Pat's perspective, some of the things that we talk about is, Hey, it's day one of you being a CAE, what's on the agenda for talking to the audit committee chair. And other than ESG and cyber, what's on the mind of audit committees these days. What's the, the CAE's role when it comes to audit committee effectiveness? And what does the audit committee like actually want from their CAE? And then one of the last things that we talk about is, hey, with a one being the worst and a 10 being the best, if someone is a one as an audit committee today and they're 10 as an audit committee tomorrow, what's different about them? What changed? What what noticeable difference are we gonna be able to, to see there? So. Hope you all enjoy. Here we go. Pat, it's day one. Uh, You're a CAE. What's on the agenda for talking to the audit committee or the audit committee chair? Um, Love the question, Trent. And I would say um, I'll look through the lens, as you've asked me to, of the chief audit executive on day one. I'd also say you could be day one as an audit committee chair, and I'd, I'd give okay. the same recommendation. Um, first of all, there I think there's a tendency, no matter what we all do, to go deep, go into issues. I would give the advice to day on day one, 
chief audit executive, save the technical stuff for later. There's going to be a lot of time. There are going to be years and years to deep, go deep on the technical stuff. Um, there might be some key areas that warrant discussion up front or some questions that need to be asked that are technical in nature. Um, but I would, I'd be thinking of a long-term relationship. Uh, and, and I say it that way, working relationship. How do you make it um, the most productive working relationship possible over the long term? And, and I think that can start on day one. I'd be talking about things like communications. What's the cadence that she or he is looking for as chair? What's the forum? Um, probe the priorities and focus of the audit committee chair. Um, it's just one meeting and interaction, and it's kind of day one, as you said. But you can get a good feel for what that audit committee chair has in the way of priorities and things that are going to guide you in that working relationship and what's going to make things most productive in the eyes and through the lens of that audit committee chair. Um, I think over time, hey, like any relationship, uh, an audit committee chair, CAE relationship, it's going to be best when there's a good amount of trust and, and a high degree of respect, mutual respect. So I'd say first impressions and how you go about that first meeting can really set the stage for that and drive quite a bit of that. Um, when I think about chief audit executive, audit committee chair, or really any audit committee member, you know, the priorities are so aligned, almost perfectly aligned, right? And one is a, uh, an executive at the company and a member of management, one director responsible for oversight and governance. But, you know, at the end of the day, day one, first meeting, I, as a chief audit executive, would be wanting to make sure that that audit committee chair knows I'm here, we're going to work, I'd like to work together. And a part of my job is to make sure you succeed in your role as audit committee chair. That's not the entire CAE role, but that is part of it. And I think, Trent, if if you do this right, you'll more likely have a more productive long-term working relationship, but you also have more relevance, I think, to the audit committee chair, the audit committee, the broader board, maybe even members of your management team. Um, and I think, hey, the CAE always has a seat at the table, and that's a unique spot. Um, and in the audit role, uh, that's important. But I, I've seen it differ greatly how much time that chief audit executive gets at the table and the, uh, what priority and how much time, as I said, is ascribed to the corporate audit effort in general by the audit committee, by the board, and even by the rest of the C-suite. So those are some thoughts, and I hope it uh, makes some sense to you and yeah. our audience. Well, relevance is really good because the seat of the table is a, a constant topic within uh, internal audit professionals specifically, obviously the CAE, but being more relevant, I think is important. So I'm really glad you hit on that. Uh, no matter, seemingly no matter the topic, if it's very technical or otherwise relationships or what we've found, if you boil it down, that's what it you know revolves around. And maybe it's just because in talking to you, I uh, was thinking about my glory days at EY. And I remember when we had to do reviews for ourselves, you know, we had to write them ourselves and for um, our staff and seniors. 
there was something about do you adapt your communication style to the people you're working with and for whatever you know it's one of those things that just always stuck out to me and so when you talked about communication like I, I feel like that's something if i put a checklist together i would include in mine which is pretty simple you know you want me to call you text you email you shoot you a message some other you know some other way uh because if somebody calls me i'm probably just gonna be like eh, okay no probably not but if you text me i can look at that and, and reply to it and so i thought the communications piece um for me particularly was was very interesting i appreciate that yeah and trent i'll say you know even in our firm and i come from an external audit background as you know um you know i find that our absolute best partners and executives and audit professionals and you have to be technically adept. I mean, that's um, uh, that is uh, price of admission. Whether you're a CAE, uh, an audit executive, and a firm like ours, whatever the role is. Uh, but the absolute best audit professionals that I've worked with, and and this is what we hear from our clients, they're the ones that can adapt, can pivot, can be agile enough to get a sense for what's important to the other party, a client, a a, a, a colleague. Um, an audit committee. And I, I think that goes, uh, that is is the case for a chief audit executive or anybody in the corporate audit um, uh, on that team, because uh, uh, just listening and, and understanding what is going to be most productive in that working relationship, I think, has a lot of importance and priority. And we have, so we have this communication protocol of sorts now. So uh, we have the relationship We're we're working with the audit committee. Uh, what What's that communication going to be? What is on the mind of the audit committee outside of the obvious ESG and cyber? And I say that because off air, you said those are the top two. <laughs> so, other than ESG and cyber, which I think in, in doing the show also, we could we would agree those are two of the hotter topics. But what else is on the mind of the audit committee these days? Yeah, well, you hit the top two and uh, we don't even need to rank one and two. Doesn't matter. They're the top two. But I, uh, I share this a lot with, uh, my colleagues, I've had this discussion with audit committee members who who nod for, uh, in agreement when I say it. But uh, and it may surprise our audience, but it's it's a clear uh, cut. Number three is I call it audit committee effectiveness, and, and so how can audit committees uh, be most productive, serve their roles in uh, the the most valuable way, make the best use of their time, and it's not just a topic on efficiency, Trent, that's important because the one thing that is most limited for any of us, and especially uh, really bu busy uh, business people, whether it's uh, the C-suite management team, members of corporate audit, or the audit committee members themselves, yep. uh, time is limited. So you want to get make the most of it. Um, I, I would also say uh, audit committee agendas are are packed more so than ever and even even i mean you talked about esg as a topic i you go back two years and esg was kind of sorta on the minds and agendas of audit committees but not nearly uh where it is now so you just think about that one thing as an example of how much time is being consumed I almost don't even want to bring it up with audit committees, those two topics, cyber and ESG, because it is so consuming for them. And I think they'd all like to you know, spend time in other areas. But the reality is they just have hacked agendas. Their purview is very uh, full. So 
there's more time to focus on how to best operate. And, th- and that's this audit effectiveness concept. I also think, hey, there is not an audit committee member, audit committee chair, or just corporate director that I've come across. And I know there are exceptions to this, but they really are focused on doing their job in a thorough and diligent manner. Um, once again, I I think the uh, the the priorities and goals of management, especially a chief audit executive, they align so perfectly with the governance role and the oversight role of the director, especially the audit committee. So I, I think there's um, a lot there um, that that directors and audit committee members are trying to really do a great job in those roles. Uh, sometimes, Trent, it's uh, when when we talk with audit committees or our teams at EY about audit committee effectiveness. It's, it's interesting. It it can go different directions. Sometimes oftentimes, almost always, actually, it comes down to the blocking and tackling of yeah, being yeah. an effective audit committee and how are we spending our time. Um, what is, gosh, how long should our audit committee meetings be? Um, I've seen uh, audit committees that go five hours regularly. Uh, that's a lot of time to commit. Sometimes it's totally necessary and appropriate. Um, I know one Fortune 50 audit committee that as a matter of course, it's 90 minutes, including private and executive sessions. And, um, you know, it's a complex company with lots of challenges, but there's a way that that audit committee chair gets an effective 90 minutes, not just watching the clock, but very much paying attention to what is being discussed and and sort of the compass as well. Um, a lot of discussion about how do we use executive sessions? Um, You know, I think many in our audience have probably seen different types of executive sessions. And when I say executive sessions, I mean private, the audit committee with the chief audit executive, with the CFO, maybe it's the general counsel. It can be the external audit partner. Um, Sometimes those are quick hits and that can be fine, uh, especially if you're doing them regularly each quarter. Uh, But I always think that the most effective audit committees are using that time to really probe a little bit more. I think the flip side, if you're the chief audit executive or an external audit partner or CFO, and you get that one-on-one time with the audit committee, uh, I think I encourage folks to make the most of it. And if it's just good news and it's just a thumbs up and it's that two minutes, yes, everything's fine. I just don't think the collectively audit committees and the constituents that participate in those executive sessions are really making the most of the time. And I I would even submit that really effective audit uh, executive sessions can really make a much more effective audit committee meeting so much so that some audit committees these days are making those more into, hey, if we're going to meet for 90 minutes, maybe 30 minutes should be dedicated to those executive sessions even just the audit committee alone as a sort of executive session. So I think those are a few things. And and one more thing that I'll mention, and it's kind of, well, it's a broad topic, but what do you do outside of audit committee meetings? And mm-hmm. part of that is leading up to an audit committee meeting. What are, how do you use pre-reads? I, I, I've listened to some audit committee chairs talk about, hey, when you send something out, 
in advance of the meeting, most audit committee members are diligent. They'll read it. They don't want to be presented to or read to. So a concept I've heard and heard talked about um, is accept, accept it as read, take it as read, and um, and start your meetings there. And then it's more discussion and so forth. Um, sometimes it's what does the audit committee chair do or other audit committee members uh, outside of the audit committee meetings with management. And I, I think that's really important that, you know, how is the chief audit executive or other members of management, how are they spending time with that audit committee chair? Just, um, you know, making sure there are no surprises and so forth. But but just keeping keeping the audit committee chair especially and maybe other members as appropriate uh, informed. And, um, and there are other constituents as well, but I think those are, um, you know, some important ones. The other thing about um, audit committee effectiveness, two other things come to mind. Um, audit committees really are, I think, even more so than other board members a lot of the time. They're very hungry for sort of continuing education, and most of us as audit professionals get that concept. It's, it's sort of ingrained, and so it makes sense that an audit committee, because most audit committee members are coming from some finance or audit or accounting background, um, sometimes all of the above, and they're used to continuing to challenge themselves, to educate themselves. So uh, I would say education and not just for its own sake, but the right sort of education that's topical and appropriate. I think those are key areas for audit committees. And then another form of that, maybe not limited to education, but peer-to-peer -peer networking. I, I find that audit committee members and directors in general really are hungry for that. They they love they they really seem to appreciate and value when they're able to talk with other audit committee members, for instance, and just compare notes, um, learn something from one another, always appropriate and never, you know, violating confidence. Um, I'll mention a couple resources, Trent, that the audience may be interested that I just think are good um, good information on that topic that I call audit committee effectiveness. Um, you know, clearly our firm EY has done some thinking around this and has a number of publications that are Center for Board Matters website. Um, we work with a couple of other really great, uh, one's a great firm, Tapestry Networks, and they have um, a couple of audit committee, several audit committee networks that they put on. EY uh, uh, sponsors that and on their website, they have some pretty good reads. And the last one, Center for Audit Quality uh, with some uh, educators from Virginia Tech and University of Tennessee. They've um, got a document out recently, a publication called Audit Committee, The Kitchen Sink of the Board. And it's it's a little longer than some of those other documents, Trent, but it really does talk through some of the challenges audit committee me members face these days um, and what is some recommendations and sort of leading practices on those, pra um, on those challenges. And they called it the kitchen sink. There's a running joke that many of us are glad it's not called the junk drawer uh, that we all have in our <laughs> kitchen. So, but it's a good read. And and so Audit Committee, uh, Center for Audit Quality and Tapestry Networks, both are pretty good sources on that front. All right. That was my follow-up question is, because I know it's sometimes it's hard to just meet those people. 
Um, obviously, you can just shoot them an email or find them on LinkedIn and go, hey, you want to chat? And then, you know, organically maybe grow the group, however that works out. But that's my follow-up question, so I'm glad you hit on that. We will add those resources to the show notes as well for uh, the folks that are listening while they're driving in their car and can't <laughs> aren't going to pull over and look it up or certainly wouldn't do it while driving the car. But um, so what is the what is the audit committee? What do they actually want from their CAE? And I think to the first question we asked about day one, what's the conversation like? To me, it always kind of blows my mind. I'll ask folks, you know, and whatever the context is, usually when it comes to analytics within their internal audit department, like, what do you want? And that's the one they kind of go, yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. Um, so I think it's a very powerful question to ask them yourself as a CAE, hey, audit committee, like, what do you actually want? But from your perspective and your experience, what are you seeing that they want? I'll share a few thoughts um, in general. I'll also touch just a little bit, Trent, on what we just discussed, which is how CAE can uh, help on the audit committee effectiveness that, you know, what, what audit committees are striving for. But I think as far as, hey, what does an audit committee want from their chief audit executive? Um, I'd say, hey, uh, first of all, clearly you'd get different responses, of course, from different audit committee members or chairs. Uh, in many ways, I, I think um the way i would look at things it, it, it it's not that much different in what an audit committee or board member might want from their cfo chief accounting officer even their ceo um there's some obvious things hey no surprises open and regular communications we've talked about some of that today and um think about the structure plan communications the protocols for impromptu i mean i think that's all really really important but that's a bit of the foundation and baseline. Uh, I think, you know, if I were going to target one area, one big area, directors, think about what do directors want, including audit committee members. They want to know what's going on at the company uh, so that they can do their job as well as possible and contribute in a meaningful way. That I, I find that almost always board members they're not there just to collect a check very often they really want to contribute they really want to add value most of these folks are very accomplished people in their walk of life and they're doing this typically at a stage of life where they're able to leverage what they've done in a past life and give back a bit so i would as a chief audit executive be thinking of how do i keep audit committee members inform how do i help them to contribute um and and i don't you know there there are a few different forms sometimes it's the education that we've talked about today where hey there's something really good that i see out there that i should make aware my audit committee chair for instance and she or he might make the rest of the audit committee or board aware i think there are ways to do some deep dives that uh pay times limited and you know, as far as really trying to help uh, audit committee members learn as much, be exposed to as much as they can about the company, uh, I, I would just caution that it's hard to cram that into a regular meeting. Um, you know, I think we've all seen that where a uh, yeah. as the audit partner from EY, I've got 20 minutes on the agenda, and by the time we get to me, um, it's something less than 20 minutes and, yeah. and we will always make the appropriate time that audit committees never short 
change uh, when they're important topics to be talked about, but it's just busy and they want to spend their time talking. So think about outside of audit committee meetings, you know, what, what an audit, a chief audit executive might offer up in the way of a deep dive education, you know, bringing, using their relationships to bring in others that might be thought leaders on certain topics. Um, I'll, I'll touch on, you know, something that gets talked about a lot. The term resiliency, I think these days is a little overused and almost to the point where maybe different people mean different things by when they say resiliency or even when they hear resiliency. But I I do focus on stability. I, I th That's a term I like to focus on and some of my colleagues at EY. And when you think about it, chief audit executives, the whole corporate audit function, you know, you, you are the ears, the eyes um, for not just the board, but I'd say for the rest of the C-suite. And that's a really important role. But I think if you broaden that a little bit, because that can feel like a compliance or a monitoring perspective and, and role, I think there's a lot more to it. I think um, as the eyes and the ears for uh, really those who are running the company, those who are responsible for oversight and governance at the company, I think you can, uh, you have a, a unique position as chief audit executives to make sure that those constituents have as good a sense of, uh, as possible what is going on at the company, what is important, what should be focused on, and ultimately that all leads to where is the significant risk? And the reason I bring up stability, I think in terms, when I think of risk, and you know that's right in the center of chief audit executive purview, it's right in the center of the audit committee, it all rolls up to the audit committee risk at the end of the day, almost no matter what kind of risk. So when I think of risk in a corporate setting, I always think of, well, what is out there that threatens our stability? And yeah. uh, once again, you could use the term resiliency, but I like the term stability and what risks are threatening our stability. I think if you think in those broad terms, you can think of ways to coming back to your question, what does the audit committee want or expect from a chief audit executive and a corporate audit function? I think they want to be apprised of what's going on in the company, what threatens our stability, what are the significant risks? I always like when there is the the overarching question that we can ask because it's so easy to get bogged down in the details, regardless really of profession or uh, role within that profession. So to be able to say what risks uh, threaten our stability and be able to almost put that on the agenda, even if you don't call it specifically out, but to have that in mind as a talking point, um, I think is brilliant. So I really like that. Anyone that doesn't have that, you know, in there. Uh, tool belt of sorts, I would um, I think it would make a lot of sense to add that. Uh, we're, you mentioned also a little bit more on the role of the CAE when it comes to audit committee effectiveness. W was there something else you wanted to add to that? Well, uh, I could add a lot, and there's so many ways that chief audit executive can um, you know, help an audit committee chair or an audit committee uh in the ways of audit committee effectiveness. Uh, and and I'll, I'll, I'll uh, make an important point, realizing and recognizing 
usually the primary responsibility for liaising with the audit committee at, in a corporate setting. That That's usually with the CFO and the CAO and general counsel. Uh, but the audit committee, um, the, the chief audit executive has such an important role in liaising with, working with the audit committee chair and the rest of the audit committee. So I just think there's so much influence a chief audit executive can have in what is the focus of the audit committee. What are you putting in front of that audit committee? Because generally speaking, my observation over years, uh, you know, almost 32 years of working as an audit professional and working with audit uh, committees and chief audit executives, um, I find that what you put in front of boards, they're going to pay attention to it. And they, uh, so audit, uh, in your role as chief audit executive, um, you can put a lot of different things. They, they're gonna, there's gonna be a continuum of importance and even level of risk. So I just always like to think in terms of if, if this is something I'm going to spend time in talking about with the audit committee chair one-on-one -on -one or the audit, uh, the audit committee as a whole, I would just be thinking of big ticket items versus the lower risk or less consequential, even inconsequential things, mm -hmm. because I know I'm repeating myself today, but time is limited and how the audit committee spends their time can be greatly dictated by what members of management pursue with the, the board and the audit committee and the chief audit executives right in the middle of all that. Um, uh, I'll give a few things that I think are interesting for chief audit executives to think about or audit committee chairs and audit committees for that matter. Um, you know, when you think about, hey, how can I be a more effective audit committee? Well, um, I, I was with um, a an audit committee chair, very experienced board member, very experienced auditor by background as well. And he shared with me that uh, later this month, he's going on a trip. I think he's going to cover three continents and he's going with his chief audit executive amongst others. He's also taking the external audit partner um, and they're going to visit different locations around the world. Um, and they're going to meet with corporate audit teams around the world. And that's clearly, I think, a two-way street, Trent. They're going, he's going to learn. He's looking to learn what's on their mind, what's going on out in the field, and that these different operating units that has importance, um, that drives significant risk. And I think the flip side of that is, hey, those corporate audit team members, uh, maybe the external auditors that he meets with along the way, they're going to understand a little bit more what's on his mind as audit committee chair, how he sees risk. So there's just so much to begin. That's just one example. You, I, I hear audit committees and, and full boards that do what they call field trips and they rotate their meetings sometimes to different operating units. Um, they bring different people into their audit committees. Once again, I think uh, uh, chief audit executives can play an important role there too. And you'd want to be working with the rest of your C-suite because that's important. Um, but I think chief audit executive typically really understands the importance of these sorts of things to help audit committees do a better job, be more effective. Uh, and I think a chief audit executive can really put the ideas out there and influence 
how audit committees are going to spend their time. And I think it will be greatly valued there. Uh, my sense and educated input on this or opinion is that audit committees, especially, but full boards also, uh, they're, they're not totally satisfied typically with how they're being educated and the insights they're receiving, whether it's from their companies where they are board members or beyond that, they're looking for other sources of education and just being kept apprised of what's going on in our company. And once again, it always comes back to what should we be paying attention to, what should be on our radar and what is driving significant risk. So chief audit executive can play a really significant role in that area of audit committee effectiveness. Perfect. I think a lot of the listeners are like really appreciate uh, the answer and the insight that you gave there. And you've mentioned a couple of times the lack of time. Uh, and specifically, we're talking about the audit committee. I think everyone would agree that nobody has enough time for anything uh, these days, despite the fact that we have access to more uh, than anything, which you would think, you know, anyway. Um, so where's the audit committee? Where are they not spending enough of their time and why are they not? Yeah. It, um, gosh, you know, you said it, Hey, time's limited. There's more information out there than ever. Uh, there's more to address. Um, Hey, I would say if there, uh, is an area that, um, and I, I can cite some surveys by organizations other than my firm EY, a national association of corporate directors a couple years ago, uh, had a survey and I think the number was 48% of corporate directors surveyed, and it was a pretty broad survey, um, weren't receiving the level, the, the form of education that they thought was most valuable. So, um, and, and interestingly, they, they went through a few different topics, Trent, of where they're getting too much education or insight. And, mm. and I use the term education really broadly because when I think of education, I think it's, what do you talk about in an audit committee meeting? If you're a chief audit executive or uh, an audit committee chair for that matter, how do you spend your time? Um, interestingly, uh, audit issues, accounting, and when I say audit issues, probably more from the external auditor than corporate audit. Um, but those were areas they felt like they've had more than enough yeah. talk in their audit committee meetings, in education. Um at the time, and it was a little bit, it was right as ESG was coming more into the radar. Uh, that would clearly be a top uh, area where, hey, we we would like more education and insight. We we know what the SEC is doing on that front, and we know what our constituents are wanting. But hey, are there real thought leaders that might help us through that? Or you know, cyber is this great big topic, but what about getting into different areas of cyber, like? Um, hey, and we had a discussion about if, and maybe it's really when, um, we have a ransom, uh, an attack of some sort and we get held for ransom. Um, do we know, do we have a relationship with law enforcement Have we have as an audit committee ever, you know, talked to law enforcement, um, local branches of the FBI, they're incentivized to have corporate relationships some boards and uh, management teams know that some don't but maybe it's the local um, law enforcement agency but i just think there are things like that that uh would really behoove not just 
directors, but a management team, and really the whole company. If it, I see probably not enough time dedicated to really putting some thought into some really leading practices that could be employed at a company. Um, and if there were time set aside, uh, my recommendation is outside of normally scheduled audit committee meetings because there's too much already on the agenda, but set aside an hour, 90 minutes, it can be 30 minutes to think about topics that would really help um, it, it expand the knowledge base of audit committee le uh, uh, members and, and spend some time that way. And I would say usually corporate management can help that. Your external auditor can help on that front. Uh, there are just so many topics and so many thought leaders out there. And by the way, you might even think outside the box. I've seen discussions with audit committees on, gosh, what about meta? What about crypto? Um, these are not generally speaking well understood topics. And I don't mean to, you know, go off the rep, just you know, go way out there on, on a tangent. But I think there's some things that if you get the right people in the room, there's something relevant to an audit committee doing their job most effectively and in the highest quality way of just, hey, what should you know about crypto right now based on the company? What should you know about meta? You know, there, there's so many different topics. Um, hey, machine learning, uh, call it AI, whatever you want to call it. There are some topics out there that I'm not suggesting anybody try to go and spend most of your audit committee time on it, but think about the appropriate amount of time that you sh should just as an audit committee be getting familiar with, especially as it relates to your company. So those are a few thoughts that I would share and I hope are helpful to our audience. Yeah, absolutely. And then we've got one more question for you and then we'll throw it to you to kind of close us out. Um, but let's say that with a one being the worst and 10 being the best, you're, you're an audit committee member, maybe audit committee chair. Today, you're a one magic happens we've been watching a lot of harry potter house magic happens and tomorrow you're a 10 what's the difference what what difference are we going to see between you yeah i mean hey uh when i think of a one um and, and i'll also say my experience is there are not many audit committee chairs or members that step in as a one because they bring a lot to the table uh but sometimes the role of audit committee member is a brand new one and people just are directors. So what's a one in my view, it's a very narrow focus. Uh, hey, my background's in external audit. If I were to be uh, a, a corporate director, an audit committee member, um, you know, I, I will add, I should add more value than just my external audit focus. And I, I think if I come day one with just that narrow focus or in your question, what is a one? It's a narrow focus. And that narrow focus might be, oh gosh, I'm just focused on the accounting issues. I'm just focused on compliance. I'm just focused on, hey, cyber is a big issue. But if that's your only focus, um, I'd say you're closer to a one than you are a 10. And I, I, I don't think many would argue with that. When I think of the 10 and um, I'd say similar to, hey, there aren't that many ones early stage. And likewise, there aren't a lot of tens day one. Somebody steps into the role 
Um, but I do see a number of audit committee chairs, audit committee members who are tens or close to it. And they typically are uh, much more broad in their perspective. And um, I think, yes, any one of those little examples that I said might be narrow if it's just one thing. I would also say a command of each of those and a familiarity is really, really important. So I don't mean to dismiss any one of those, but the 10 is the one who is paying attention to all the different things that are out there and should be on the radar. She or he is open to new things coming onto the radar and, and not uh, at all oblivious or aloof to those things. Um, and even when they're not comfortable to, uh, hey, I've seen a lot of audit committee chairs not at all comfortable with crypto, but they want to learn enough and understand enough so they can be ready for what they need to be ready for and do their job. Um, I'll give a, a, another pers perspective on this. Um, hey, great directors, great audit committee members are not management. They should be serving an oversight role, a governance role. And I think we've all seen, and I'm sure the CAEs and other management members or even audit committee members that might be in your audience today, uh, we've all seen board members that might want to play a management role. And so the tens are not playing that management role. They're playing the true board role. And when they have the right working relationship with management with fellow directors with the chief audit executive included that's when they're not only able to exercise oversight and governance in the best manner possible uh, and meet their obligations but they also have the most productive working relationship with management because there's mutual respect for each other's roles and management is able to do their role but with a good level of guidance and support from the board and from an audit committee and from an audit committee chair. And that that's a hard thing to balance. So I'd say the 10 uh, as an audit committee chair or member is uh, paying attention to that and have that sort of um, uh, productive working relationship with the management team, the right balance of oversight and governance and letting them do their job, but being willing to help and support. And goes without saying, when it's time to hold everybody accountable, that, of course, is necessary and important when you're a 10. But that becomes more rare than being able to support and guide uh, company management, I find. I've said on this show a couple of times that if you go to Google or Amazon or whatever, and you look for CEO book, COO book, CMO book, CDO book, there's a lot of stuff that's in there. If you look for chief audit executive book or even audit committee book, there's little to literally nothing out there. I think this episode is like the audit committee book or like the audit committee and CAE relationship book. And so it's been, honestly, it's been one of my favorites. And I'm not just saying that because we're, uh, I'm, I'm a former EY guy and big fan, but um, it really has been. There's been a lot of insight. We haven't hit on the audit committee as much uh, in our nearly three years of doing this, a little bit here and there, but this is kind of the deep, deeper dive that, I, that I've been wanting to take. So it's been fantastic. With all that said, um, what do you want to leave the audience with? 
Well, hey, it's pretty daunting. You told me in advance that I'd get the last five minutes and I've been thinking about it. I, I will also say, Trent, you've had some past guests that take and take up really good topics like rescuing dogs, well, just college just, football, just, just, and football. Um, I would have loved to talk about either of those, but we'll leave it at that. Um, you know, what I have kept thinking of since we talked about the last five minutes, and, and you know this, I, we've talked about I've 32 years in my career with EY. Um, you know, it's funny how figuratively we all get to the last five minutes of our career, yeah. you know, and, and whether I'm there yet or not, um, you know, I've got runway and I'm looking forward to a lot of things, but, but I think it's just interesting to reflect a little bit. And I've been doing that as I've walked our dog Lewis around our neighborhood the past few days, as I've mentally prepared for this, but I just think for you know, I, I suspect and have a pretty strong sense that everybody listening to us today, pretty serious people about their careers. I recognize they're at different stages in their careers. Some are really senior executives, some are less tenured and up and comers. But I would just say, you know, when you get to the last five minutes of your career, or it might be the last 10 minutes, you start to think of things differently and look at things differently. And um, you and I off air have talked a little bit about families and children and things like that. Um, uh, I've heard past guests talk about, you know, in their five minutes, what they do with families. Um, but when you think about careers and career paths, I've, I've always been really serious about my career. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But you also, there's a lot of talk about work-life balance and things like that. And to me, I just over time have learned that it's not work versus life. It's all kind of one. And I think they all have to work together. My premise is always it. it's things are important to your career path and your job. And you've got a lot of people depending on you. We all do in our work lives, but it's got to work with the family. So with that perspective, I just look for ways. And I think looking back, um, it, I haven't been perfect. And I don't think any of us are. And we, we try to get to perfection but I think um, what I would encourage everybody that are before that last five minutes of their career stage, um, think about not just titles or roles, think about challenges, think about the people with whom you're interacting, think about relationships. And um, that's a word, we've, we've used that word multiple times and on multiple fronts today. But um, I, I think relationships along the way are what, um, I cherish more than anything. I regret some of the relationships. I haven't kept as warm as I'd like to. And, and I might go back, you know, to my sometime before my, uh, final five minutes and, and, and go think about that. Um, I think, um, you know, keep your priorities, um, front and center, you know, for many people that it should be health, you know, as a top priority for some it's faith. It's always family and friends. But beyond that, hey, for my family, my wife, Rebecca, and me, it's, hey, our two sons, we want to make sure they get a great education. Beyond that, there's not that much is really a priority for us in life. Um, so once again, in our final five minutes, um, we're going to be able to do a lot of other things as long as we've addressed our priorities. And I, I just encourage people that are prior to their last you know, stage of their career or really all that far into it even, Think about your priorities, stay true to those priorities, um, and 
when you enter the final five minutes of your career, figuratively speaking, um, if you do things, you stay true to yourself, you keep your priorities front and center, you'll feel much better, not just about your family life, which I hope you do, your personal relationships, um, but but something that's, um, I remember my late father when he retired, um, and, and I was at one of the retirement gatherings that was thrown for him by a colleague, and he said, you know, I think I've helped some people along the way. And in the audit profession or a lot of other roles, um, we're not necessarily saving lives each day. And and I think sometimes you have to find the meaning of what we do. But if you can help others, sometimes those are clients, sometimes those are colleagues. But I think if we know we've helped some people, then that's um, not just a good feeling, but it, it marks a successful career. And it is, so it's, it's why career and personal really do go together. And um, just like this podcast, Trent, don't go past your five minutes. Know when to um, hand off the torch to someone else and uh, relieve the reins and let them go. And so I'll stop now and I hope I haven't exceeded my five minutes. Hey everyone, thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Audit Podcast. Whatever platform you're listening on right now, I'm sure there's a subscribe button somewhere, so please hit the subscribe button there. If you're listening through iTunes or Spotify, feel free to go give us that five-star rating. It only took me about 16 seconds to give myself a five-star review, and it really helps to get future guests to come on the show, so we'd really appreciate that. Lastly, be sure to check out the show notes and follow us on all our social media channels on Instagram, on LinkedIn, and on TikTok. Also, if interested, please sign up for our weekly newsletter from The Audit Podcast. Thank you all. Have a great one.